Good Friday, everyone. Welcome to the VolQuest.com podcast brought to you by Blue Water Climate Control. Glad to have you along with us on this Friday. Again, for more on Blue Water Climate Control, you can check them out at BlueWaterClimateControl.com or visit them at their Twitter page at BlueH2O underscore climate. BlueH2O underscore climate. Tennessee puts the bow tie on a recruiting class that everybody was asking. Every mailbag we did, every mailbag podcast we've done since back in the summer. Can Tennessee sign a top 10 class? Can they get in the top 10? Tennessee got in the top 10. Now that the dust has settled a little bit on what they did on Wednesday as well as back in December, what's your assessment of this class? I mean, it's, it's, a, it's to me, it's not as top heavy. Uh, there's not the Corvaris, Henry, Wanye, Darnell, but I think it's a deeper class than a year ago. I don't know if you agree with me. I just feel like when you look from top to bottom, the different positions that they added some really key pieces at, you know, I feel like it's a deeper class. Yeah, I'm, I, I think that's a fair assessment. I think that my, my initial reaction is that they filled their needs at a couple quality spots. Wide receiver, you lose Jawan, you lose Marquez Callaway, even Tyler Bird, who played a lot of special teams the last four years. Uh, they needed to, you know, reload there, and they did, and then some. And so, you know, I think Jeremy's comments saying that, you know, we signed one of the better wide receiver groups in the country, I think that's uh, correct. You like what they did, you know. Not it wasn't as, ca- you know, uh, you know maybe as as cachet as it was a year ago with Darnell and Wanye. But they needed to get some interior guards. They got Spragans. They got Robinson. They get Cooper Mays. Uh, I think the two you know areas are kind of and they, and they got their quarterback. I mean that's you get a five star. You get one of the best. I mean you can't forget about that. I mean Harrison Bailey and you add a Jimmy Holiday. If there's one area where this class and where they, they're going to look back and say, did we miss or did we not, it's outside linebacker, it's pass rusher, and then maybe tight end. So, but I think it's, I mean, you're one of the top seven classes in the country. you got a chance to even still add a five-star running back. 2020 has been pretty good at Tennessee so far with the way the recruiting has gone, with the way you add Jay Graham's back, Trey decides to stay, you add Cade Mays. You know, there's it, it, they have – I don't know if Phillip's, Philip Fulmer, you know, if his assessment that, you know, the Vols are quote-unquote back is correct just yet, but certainly things seem to be trending uh, positively for Jeremy Pruitt's program right now. You know, the first six weeks, Jeremy Pruitt called it the decade of the Vols, first six weeks. It's been pretty good. It's pretty, pretty good pretty for good. him. You know, I mean, throw in Cade Mays, throw in Velas. I mean, it's, that's a pretty good January I to get cranked saying, up. I mean, you guys get your fingerprints on it better than I do, but I, I mean, it's... I like what they did on the line of scrimmage. I mean, it looks like they, you know, just SEC-type bodies, players. I mean, I, I thought but four or five defensive linemen, three, like Jesse mentioned, they needed to bring in some big guard bodies. They did that. And then you know, the Harrison Bailey's been committed so long, you kind of forget about him. But that's that's huge. Yeah, I don't, I don't doubt about that. Don't disagree with that at all. All right, got to ask you two, Jesse and Austin. This is a mailbag-type question here. Favorite, favorite story? Favorite thing that you – what you enjoyed most about covering this class? Give me an example. Besides Zach Evans. Yes, besides Zach Evans, which is not done. Or Jay Hardy, which is done. So, give, give, give me something that you'll, that you'll remember about this class. It didn't, I'm not saying anoint somebody into the Hall of Fame. or I'm just saying, you know, a trip or something that you'll remember about this class. Are we adding Cade into this class? Sure. <laughs> um, was getting the call two days before that that's happening that you know that 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 and then kind of you know knowing that you know he was going to be heading in there to talk to Kirby and 
you know, all Unless that. Do it. What do you do? It. Yeah. You know, what will um, come out of that? Yeah. yeah, that was pretty good. Me and you over here taping that video, and you looking like you know somebody's about to catch you with your hand in the cookie jar the whole time. Well, there um, was only like fourteen people that walked by in the four takes that we um, did. Yeah, the lighting wasn't perfect. Um, didn't somebody ask us about Jay Graham then, too? <laughs> did, did a professor ask him, Y'all taking something about Jay Graham? Um, no, not yet. <laughs> the, all the people on this site that have no realize, that don't realize how close Jay and I are as buddies, and you know, they kept talking about Jay. <laughs> so, a few times people were making fun of his recruiting in 2012. I was defensive, probably. Um, but, you know, um, ah, as far as kids, man, I mean, Cooper was really good. Tyler Barron calling me. I was in Pennsylvania. See, he that was me, he I'll, called me November. It was the it was the day after the Kentucky game, or it was two days after the Kentucky game, and I was at my wife's uh, grandmother had passed away, so we went to Pennsylvania for her funeral, and Tyler Barron called me. I stepped out of the church, and you know, um, he's like he's like you know, I, I know I've said it before, but it's done. He's like Kentucky, you know. They're just they're this negative recruit too much, which is why I've always thought it's funny when you know Vance Morrow comes out and he's like talking about people negative recruiting because, you know, Kentucky was doing that with TB. Um, um, you know that that one was a good one. Uh, well, the, but that one I was going to say that, uh, there's no doubt a lasting memory of this class is how many Charlie Browns Tyler did pull on us. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean it was. Like, all right. Lucy, oh, I mean, how many times we're about to come over it's here done. and do something? It's, it's done. done. Come on. like August, well, October. Yeah, <laughs> we'll meet you over here in the facility. It's done. Uh, uh, we can't do it. So I mean, I, that's the takeaway. The, the the Whitehaven night when all right, all right, we we get until it's you know one's gonna pop and then AP and I are on the phone together. There's no way these other two guys aren't. aren't it's not you know because that wasn't initially the plan, but then they they go three for three in one night. I mean, that's probably two of the bigger. Uh, deals because some of these guys, I mean, like, you know, Dominic Bailey's been committed forever. Yeah. He was committed since before well, I mean, the spring. How do you know? I mean, everybody forgets about him. You know, and it's like, easy to not forget. Same I mean, thing with, easy. Jim, you know, with Jimmy Callaway. Jim, he, yeah. Everybody's like, who's this guy you're taking? And then all of a sudden, you're calling him and, and dealing with him the last week, like going a week into before the early signing. They go, hey, you going to visit Florida or are you going to wait? Are you going to sign? You know, you're, you're trying to hold on there. But when he committed, everybody's like, who? But what's you know kind of what's this guy take about? I, for me, it was leaving uh, Nissan Stadium after Mr. Football, and this tells Amari me how out of touch I was with that one because I got I, I told you I know you're going to say oh you're always negative about everything but I got in that car we're heading I'm like Amari Thomas is going to Auburn I mean I you know I, I, that well, was Auburn I, I, that just fit I made so many Auburn vibes coming out but, of there it felt to me like but when we left there I said you can read that how you want to read it. Because you know, well, my negative nature, you know. I but I mean, like, but but I remember that we got on the phone, and I'm like, you know, that one you could read exactly however you want to read it. You could see that Auburn, you know, Auburn's got this floor to visit and play to keep him, you know, right. on the road, and you know, and that's a Rodney Garner, you know, you know, especially it's a, play, it's a playbook, and, and it's a car. It's a car yeah, yeah, yeah. Again, you could read it however in different ways you want to read it. I just remember getting the call from. Omari and he said, "I want you to be at my announcement." He knew I was only coming if he was picking Tennessee. I said, "Okay, so it's the Vols," and he said, "Yeah." So then you know we roll out there. Right. Um, nice kid, by the way. Yeah. Well, well, I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of good kids to deal with this class. He's he's right up there at the top. He he, he and his folks are, are really good people. The other thing that stands out to me, Rob, is just the fact that the Wednesday February signing day is just just nothing. I mean, 
you know, let's, working, let's, I'm working on my taxes. <laughs> you know, I'm vacuuming the floor, or whatever. Because there's literally there's only two guys. Nah. You know, I do think we should. The, I do think we should pour. I do think we should pour one out. It's always funny to look back at this the day. At, you know, the day or day two, two days after signing day. How many stories we did do on commits that don't end up in this class? Let me just read. Let me just read you this list, AP. <laughs> Antonio Johnson. All right, that was one during the summer. He comes, commits, whatever. BJ, that one does absolutely sting for Tennessee. They did not want to lose BJ Ojolari. Remember when Christian Story committed? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And at <laughs> the time, everybody one? said there's no way that yeah, one sticks. Exactly, Alabama kid, uh, Jordan Davis. Yeah, the JUCO JUCO kid. And so that, I guess he ended up at Mississippi State. He did. Yes, yes. He tweeted out the other day his best decision he's ever made. Um, and then this one, because I don't, I, I need to check that he, if he actually signed. He's a kid whose stock plummeted. But, but Leonard Manuel, two years ago, committed to Tennessee. He was a five-star receiver from Florida. Uh, and this was before Jeremy even got here. And he ended up backing off. And he, he, is, he ended up being ranked a three-star. And then there was all these guys that Tennessee either added late or during the summer that got dropped. Lovey Jenkins, Ebony Jackson. Jamari Butler, Antonio Barber, Kyrie Miller. I mean, there's a lot of guys that Art are in Green. Art Green. The safety committed from uh, from Maryland. And then the big, and then and, and, and I was going to say Mordecai Daniel. Daniel is one that Tennessee was able to with Denico Slaughter. They were able to kind of trade that one there. But that that was an they did not want to lose Mordecai Daniel. But it's just funny how many the churn kind of goes for both ways you know both for the pro- prospect and the program with the turnover yeah. well i mean you know it just shows you how much a, a class changes from start to finish you know and it's that way every year oh, but yeah. like i mean just and, and then even just what you just said about uh you know uh, the kid that you know the manual kid you know you the rankings change so much yeah, i mean jimmy yeah. callaway goes from who is that guy to a top 150 prospect uh you know the guys that are ranked real high drop like you know, uh, a sack of potatoes, um, you know, over the course of time. So, I mean, it just – and it goes back to what Jeremy said yesterday, continuing to eval kids, continuing to change their board. Who's number one now as the receiver may not be the number one receiver three months from now, he'll be number six. Well, and I think that's – I think for successful programs from a longevity standpoint, you have to do that. I mean, you, you've got to be really committed to, to watching senior take three games in and – Making a decision to cut a guy loose if you need to, or to re, you know, re-rank a guy. Yeah, I mean, you know it, what? I was wrong on him when we had him in camp. I thought he was okay, but I didn't think he was good enough. I've watched him now; he's good enough. It seems like Clemson's the only top 15, 20 recruiting program that doesn't That's, operate that way. Right. Everybody else seems to be operating that way, and and, right and the only reason they don't do that is because they sign half their class or get half their class now. Yeah. You know, and they get seem like the pick of whoever they want to, and nobody nobody looks around for them. Right. I mean, they they've. They've scared everybody into not taking other visits or whatever, but nobody looks around, you know, when it comes to Clemson. I will give a public shout out to the secretary at Venice High School. Very nice lady. Very nice lady. 18 minutes she kept me on hold, and she continued to text people at the auditorium. And I thought, okay, I'm going to get this news. And then I look up, and Austin sent a text that, hey, I turned the story loose. We're good to go. That one's over. Well. Thank you, kind lady. I appreciate your time. <laughs> and, I, and I'll give a shout-out to uh, Malachi Weidman's brother who uh, sent me a picture of him with the Tennessee hat on. That was the hard thing, you know. That was when, the most – When it's, not, mean, when it's not, streamed, stuff is streamed, when it's not streamed, it's just such an old school, yeah, you it know. Is, it, is. it was an old school afternoon to close for Tennessee. Now the question is – got to get into it. The question now is Zach Evans. 
We're going to ask it every week, Zach Evans. Oh, jeez. Nothing new, right? No, nothing new. I mean, all the, he may do something today. But that's going to happen every day. Those rumors are going to circulate every day. And eventually somebody's going to be right. Yes. Yeah, correct. I mean, you just throw it up against the wall enough, eventually it's going to stick. The prevailing thought, correct me if I'm wrong here, the prevailing thought for the last 72 hours, maybe a little bit longer, has been he is going to wait until March opens back up, going to take an official visit to Florida most likely, at least another official visit, listen to coaches, coaches who have not used all their visits, schools who have not used all their in-homes could come in home, and then sometime later this spring make a decision. That's where we think it is right now Yeah. with the understanding he may sign in two hours. Yeah, he but won't. But the plan is for him not to, right? Yeah, correct. I mean, that's that's the prevailing thought um, that we're going to go through March. That we're going to go through March okay. and at least you know take that other visit and then kind of iron it out from there. But uh, but we believe he's still talking to Florida, Ole Miss, Tennessee, Texas A and M. Texas A and M. He's still having conversations with all those guys. Yep. And everybody's going to wait. Some somebody's going to hold a spot and wait on him. Yeah, that's right. There may be somebody in that group that says, "Hey, enough's enough," and move on to something else. But one of those, multiple of those Power Five schools are going to have a spot for him, all the way up until June, whenever he wants to go to school, or May for mini term, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think all those schools are going to play the long game, especially A and M, Ole Miss, and Tennessee. Now, maybe not Florida. Maybe they, maybe they at some point punt. You know, if they've become the transfer use. So if they take Ricky Slade or somebody, maybe, yeah. yeah. I mean. But I do think that you know maybe maybe because they I mean they took shorter from Penn State they they've that seems to be their best avenue to get a former five star is to get them on the transfer market so yeah they did not have the best close was it not, not the best day for them no and they closed very poorly in December too and, and that's kind of funny when you think about with the ways you know uh, it's so we Austin and I talked about this in our video on signing day you know it's easy to forget about what happens you know the months previously it's just as important as what happened you know on national side it was big for tennessee to to finish strong uh but florida is kind of i think the the poster child of this this year where they had two bad days that happened to be the most public days you know and otherwise actually were signed a pretty good class uh but what you know when you miss on on a lot of guys late whether it's late in December or, you know, first weekend in February, that, that, that's what uh, everyone remembers. Yeah, certainly leaves a different uh, image or different impression on kind of what the class looks like. So that, that's a bow tie on the class. Grad transfer is always a possibility, you know, that this staff is going to be open to that. Not that they're taking one, but I don't – you never know. I mean, you can't sit here and say they're definitely not going to take one the same way you don't say they're definitely going to take one. Who, who else jumps in the portal, all those types of things. I don't think they'll just take I – mean, to me, it, it'll be somebody that they feel really feel like can help this football team. Right. That's you know, going to be eligible it, immediately yeah. that can help this football team. And, and that's the big thing. When I've talked to Jeremy, he, that's the one he's, thing he's discussed is just, you know, if you're going to take somebody, it's got to be somebody that you know can help you. I think I mean, he would be the first to acknowledge the grad transfers that he took in year one were more for – depth and uncertainty than they were because he felt like, okay, these guys are going to definitely help us on the field. It was because he wasn't sure what they had at quarterback, wasn't sure what they had at running back, you know, uh, in that first cycle of kids that he brought in when he brought in Madre London and Keller Christ and, and then even, uh, you know, um, Brandon Kennedy at the time as a grad transfer 
Of course, he had two years instead of just one. And, Ken, and Kennedy's been a good get for Tennessee, yeah. obviously. And we'll see how D'Angelo Gibbs goes. And Aubrey Solomon certainly was a big part of what Tennessee did improving defensively. Maybe he wasn't the you know, first-round draft pick, but he was a guy who was, who was solid for Tennessee all, all season long at, at defensive tackle. And uh, so for the most part, other than that first year, I think transfers have worked out pretty well. And they obviously feel good about the two that they've gotten in this class when you talk about Cade Mays and Velas Jones. All right, let's talk about 2021s. Um, we're going to, you know, names and everything else out there. But when you look, when you look at this class, tight end most important, running back, defensive end, that's your three priorities? Um, I, I go more along the lines of defensive end, pass rusher. Um, I think it's always good to get another, a solid quarterback just because, I mean, you always – every year you want to get somebody, in my opinion, and you don't want to just take a flyer on some kids. I mean, I, again, Jesse's, you know, Jesse's been saying this. I agree 100%. You know, the Valu kid or Bayou, however you want to say his name, um, they are – you know, he's a really solid prospect. I think if Tennessee can get him in the boat, I think it would be really big. Um, and then running back, you know. I, the tight end thing for me is kind of like even if you have – a Darnell Washington, Eric Gilbert type. How much are you actually going to use him? You know, um, versus, you know, just loading up on really quality wide receivers, or or even just an athlete type guy like D Beckwith who can kind of be a jack of all trades on offense. I think corner is important. Corner? Yeah, I think because I think there's a either whether they leave or not. You know, Bryce and and and, and Elante are going to be. Uh, juniors, Kenneth George. You're gonna. Uh, there's gonna be a lot of veterans there after this next season, and so I think restocking that position. Um, there's some pretty good ones in this 2021 class too. Uh, Where's they, they weren't they weren't a great class of corners in 2020. Yeah, yeah. and so I think that that that's an area that, of getting some good defensive backs is 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 a necessity for Tennessee. All right, your biggest offensive position is it running back? Yeah, I mean, I guess it obviously depends on you know if they land Zach. They need a dude. Right. They need a dude. And, if, and if they get Zach Evans and he works out, then maybe that changes. Maybe you, know. you don't take two, but I do think that. But I, but part of the reason why, you know, the Alabamas and the Georgias and the Ohio States and Clemson's are so good, their running backs are so good, is each every year they sign a stud. An NFL. Yeah, like a stud. Yeah. You know, every like the guy year who gets off the bus, ready. right? Like every year, they get one of those guys, and sometimes they get more than one. And so, I think Tennessee needs to kind of enter, and you know, they need to do the same. They need to figure out who is their stud, and and get in on him early, and get him in the boat sometime this summer. Yeah. Well, and getting guys here early is going to be important in terms of what they can get here for spring practice what they can get here for the orange and white game. It's got to be priority. For I'm going to be interested to see how quick Cody Brown comes back. Right. Tennessee felt like they, that that was a really important positive, visit. important visit last weekend. Um, and I've not talked to Cody, um, not for lack of trying. He just kind of, you know, been tough to get a hold of. Uh, but, you know, I know from the Tennessee side of things, it's, that's one that they felt like the visit went really, really well. And they, they think they can get him back up here for a visit once the dead period lifts come spring practice. And if that happens, then all of a sudden Tennessee – becomes, I think, a more major player in yeah, that recruitment. More, much more. And then can they get the Henderson kid on, on campus, too, from up in Virginia? Yeah. You know, can they get him down here? You know, can they get him feeling enough love that he'll, he comes down and sees the balls? Well, so, that may end up being like a trade. If Georgia goes out of state, 
for Henderson, does does Tennessee go into Georgia for Cody Brown? Yeah, you know, that's certainly so. a possibility. So th those are some, just some random names to, to talk about and to mention there. The, the focus now for this coaching staff in the next month is with this current team. Wanya uh, Morris is going to be out for spring. That's a tough blow for Wanya Morris because he's also going to miss some significant time in the weight room. Yeah, um, you know, with his lower body and some stuff that I think we all feel like this off season was big for him in that area. Not to say it's a lost year; he can't make it up. That, that not saying that. But it is unfortunate for him that he's going to miss, you know, some some weight room time and some some physical development time. Yeah, I think you're going. It's more physical development than it is the mental development. I think for him, you know, he he went through last spring. I think this spring was always going to be much bigger for Darnell because of the fact that he ended the season kind of overweight, not playing a whole lot because the ankle was it was was not very responsive um, the last you know month month and a half of the season. And he has never been through an off-season weight program like Wanya did last year. So, and I always thought the winter was going to be much bigger for Darnell. But it's definitely a blow for Wanya just from a confidence standpoint, and and just continuing to progress uh, physically as he, uh, you know, tries to transform his body. Well, and he's, I mean, he's Tennessee's left tackle. Yeah, <laughs> like right. it's, it's, uh, who's who's going to be a sophomore? Right. You know, who yeah. learned on the job last yeah. year? And, I mean, he, and he still can't get enough reps at this point in his career. Right. I mean, he's not a guy that you're just managing, you know, like a vet, like a seasoned veteran, because he's just still learning. And and you know, and in and Tennessee, they, they they have some interesting pieces on the offensive line, but this now does. If you think that Cade can get eligible, this now does uh, take away an opportunity for 15 practices to perhaps work the five guys you think could start week one. You but don't have that chance now. Does give a guy like Jameer Johnson if he's here. The opportunity at left tackle, you know, can't say I'm not getting an opportunity because at this point you would think he would be the number one left tackle unless they want to move some parts around. And I think we all agree they want to play Cade inside, you know, not at left tackle. I don't think that's the goal. I think, you know, they see him as an inside guy. So what do they do for bodies at left tackle? Suddenly Jameer Johnson is going to get plenty of those opportunities as well. The, re the rest of this month is about – you know, spending time, coaches spending time with players, and obviously the strength staff, uh, and 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 you know, development. I, I mentioned this in the war room. We had this in the war room. One of the things in talking to some people this week about the current team is they do feel like Rob that this team is starting to take on a real competitive wrinkle to it, where every workout's got a com real competitive element to it, because there's. There's battles for position on this team really for the first time. And so there's a thought that part of the reason why the, you know, this winter's gotten off to a solid start. Now, I'm, everybody's going to say, hey, it's the best winter never we've worked, ever had. Never worked this never hard worked before. Hard. But one of the differences for this team is they know how to compete and the value of competing is there for more I mean, guys. I think it was always there for Jawan Jennings. I, mean, I think you started, but for more guys, I think you started seeing that develop. You know, in October last year, I mean, I, I mean, the mindset, the mentality of this team, and you could just see it growing and changing over the, you know, over the course of that the winning streak that they closed with. I mean, you could just, I mean, you could just really, you know, see them growing and, and you know, just changing everything about them before your eyes. I mean, it's so much different than the, you know, the hangdog, you know, beat down look that or feel that, you know, they had in, in you know Butch's last Wayne Duck year, or, you know, Jeremy's. First year, I mean, it, it was just night and day the difference. And you could, I mean, you could just see that. You know, you mentioned compete, learning how to compete, learning how to deal with adversity. I mean, I, it was it was remarkable. Yeah, and I, that's I mean, that's part of establishing your culture, and that's something that this 
staff has talked about is the need to be the need to be more competitive. I'm with you. I think they started to figure that that out in October, and I think because of the way they ended in November, it's carried over for them at the start of this winter workout. Now we'll see how they progress as they get ready for spring practice in the month of March. We have much more on this football team in the coming podcast and coming days on the site. The current team as everybody kind of gets settled in and really gets you know deep into this. I know people want numbers. It's not going to be about that, but. You know, just some updates on how some guys are doing and, and that type of thing. We'll continue to bring as many of those to you as we can as we pick those up. Quickly, let me tell you a couple things about our friends at Blue Water Climate Control before we jump into some hoops. Uh, now's the time when every homeowner with a furnace that's more than five years old should have it checked out. Make sure all the safety controls are working properly and that there aren't any unhealthy or dangerous carbon monoxide leaks. Many times when people think of the dangers of carbon monoxide, they don't realize the minimal leaks that can trigger symptoms like headaches, dizziness, fatigue, and more. That's why Blue Water Climate Control conducts hundreds of their $79 safety inspections and tune-ups. For more information on those tune-ups, check them out at bluewaterclimatecontrol.com or give them a buzz at 865-299-2290. That's 865-299-2290. 2290 or again you can visit them on Twitter at blue h2o underscore climate blue h2o underscore climate all right Rob Lewis the Tennessee basketball team by no means a thing of beauty and if they're going to win it's not going to be a beauty contest for this basketball team they look like they're going to get blown out at Alabama they close the gap to single digits at the half then they close it look like they got a chance to take control they sort of don't, but they end up getting a lead, and then they did everything in the last two and a half minutes to try to give it away. They they can't give it away because Alabama can't take it. Dumbest and he, team in America. And Eves Pons gets a block and two free free throws to seal the game for Tennessee. I mean, for, I mean just get, how you drew it up, right? Just get, I mean, give Tennessee credit. I mean, for for not quitting and packing it in because I mean, it looked like it was going to be one of those games. You know, four minutes, a little less than four minutes left in the first half. Tennessee can't throw it to the ocean. Alabama's hit seven threes in, in, in the first half. And they're down 15, and I'm, I mean, I'm just thinking it's, you know, I wasted a trip down here. And then, well, I texted you and told you I thought they were going to lose by 30. And I agreed. So. I agreed uh, at the time. Surely not, negative Nancy. <laughs> no, I, I, I agreed with him. I mean I, I mean, I didn't see anything positive. And then they, you know, John Fulkerson, Fulkerson scores six points in the last minute. They get it to eight going into the locker room. And then, the you know, Alabama just kind of falls apart in the second half. I was, you know, Tennessee shot. 30-plus free throws, that was a huge factor. Alabama only got to the line eight times. And, and the way Tennessee scores, that's that's imperative. And they got almost exactly a third of their points at the free throw line. And, you know, as, as tough a time as they have scoring the basketball, that's got to be, a, I think, a, a consistent formula for them. So, you know, just I was you know, not, it was not great, but for this, for this Tennessee team to go on the road and get a win, I mean, that's big. I mean, we've been talking, you know, looking at the last ten games, which Alabama was the, the first of the final ten. I didn't see a lot of wins there. I mean, Vanderbilt, and then who? And so to get to, to get one at Alabama, I, thought, yeah, I think that's pretty significant. Well, then speaking of Vandy, the who they get a win over LSU. No kidding! How crazy know, is that? Finally, the the clock strikes midnight on the Bengal Tigers, who have been winning every close game that imaginable in, in the last couple minutes of a game, finding a way to steal games. They couldn't do it uh, against Vanderbilt. I don't want to, you know. I'm with you. I think the effort was good, but there's still some serious red flags here. I mean, one for. Tennessee for a good bit of that game couldn't keep the ball in front of them defensively. No. Alabama driving to the rim. How do you? I mean, I think they. How's missed, that going to fix? Well, I think they missed Josiah on, on defense at least. You know, I mean, he's you know not had the kind of freshman season a lot of people you know 
were, were imagining that he would have, but he has been pretty solid defensively. That's left a hole, and I tell you where it, it hurts him more. And Rick, you know, finally got away from it. Is you know, Eve Pons is clearly much better at the four than he is at the three. And you know, if they start plowing, Eve has to be the perimeter. And you know, I think Rick watched about four minutes of that game the other night. Decided that you know, no matter what the lineup has to look like, I'm putting you know, Eve's playing the four, and you know, he get 14 rebounds, 14 points. So you know, defensively, I mean, Santiago, it's not. Surprising that he's you know got problems coming in. I mean, I think people are, you know, he's going to have his hands full keeping Ashton Higgins out of the paint on Saturday. And so, I mean, I think that's going to continue to be a problem. Alabama just, you know, was content to shoot 30 something threes and turn the ball over 20 times. Again, I mean, that's, that was not a smart basketball team. Yeah, I mean, no. there's no way Tennessee should have won that game. No, they should, they, they should not. And, and again, give Tennessee credit for not packing it in, for not mailing, mailing it in and quitting. You know, and staying in the game. Alabama, when they gave him an opening, Tennessee did take advantage of it to get back in the game. Uh, but when you look at these last nine games here, to me, you know, keeping the ball in front of them is going to be a real like challenge Kentucky's against the teams. Not a great shoot team, but they can penetrate. I mean, if they get it up on the backboard, you know, there's a good chance Nick Richards and, or EJ Montgomery is going to grab it on, on the rebound. Uh, Auburn. Great penetration team, and that's four year. That's almost half your schedule. You play Kentucky and Auburn, you know, four times. So I mean, I, I just I don't think Tennessee's going to get to where they're great at stopping penetration, but still, I mean, they are you know, by the numbers one of the best defensive teams in the SEC. So I, I still think I mean finding points is going to be tough. Yeah, I mean, that's the other thing I was going to say is how do you because if I'm playing Tennessee, I, I'm packing it in sure. man to man and saying, hey, you're not you're not bringing the ball in here to go to the free throw line. Make something from out there. Absolutely. And I don't think Tennessee I – mean, I, they I haven't think, shown the ability to do Kentucky, that. And Kentucky – I mean, that's going to be a challenge on Saturday against Kentucky because they could – you know, they've got great size. And, you know, they, the way Hagans, you know, can move. I mean, they can pressure the ball out front. It's going to make it really tough on Viscovy or, you know, whoever's running the point. Josiah, we're taping this on Thursday. I'm going to go watch practice. Not sure if he's going to go. Rick uh, spoke with Rick earlier, and, and he, he didn't know either. So that one's – I would at least say he's questionable. So, but you know, we've seen worse Tennessee teams than this one beat better Kentucky teams than when it's coming in here Saturday since Rick got here. So I'm not, I'm not ruling it out. To do it, they've got Jordan Bowden can't take the first half off offensively. No. He can't go over in the front. I mean, he. It's kind of crazy how you know he's caught fire in the second half and and maybe become more assertive or whatever. I mean, what do they got to do to get him going in the I, first half? I don't know, man. I mean, I think Rick the other night, Rick, you know, finally. You know, started calling plays where he, you know, Jordan had to drive it to the basket, and you know, Jordan gets the foul line eleven times. I think, you know, his shooting stroke just hasn't been there for whatever reason. I mean, he's been a, a really good three point shooter for his whole career, and now he just, I mean, he can't buy one. I mean, what he's shooting, I forget the number, what he's shooting in the SEC play, but it's like less than twenty percent. Yeah, it's 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 bad. It's that, that's for sure. Right now, I thought the Gaines kid defensively did do some and solid Rick, things. Rick loved him. After the game, I mean, you know, Rick. I, mean, I think his intensity played with he's, defense. He's going to play. He, I mean, he played 15 minutes at Alabama, and I think that you know he's finally getting here. Rick talks about it a lot. You know, it's so hard for young kids when they've always been the best player in their team when they get here to you know not judge their performance on on their offense. And I think that's finally you know Devontae's finally you know grasping how, how to do that. Well, and you got to limit his offensive touches because he's not great with the ball. And it doesn't make gotta, great decisions. No, you got to be careful there. But defensively, he does play with big-time effort. So just some of the challenges that Rick Barnes and his staff and this team have ahead of them with a, a difficult stretch of games. And, and last thing, I would, I would expect some visitors in on Saturday. Okay. We'll see. Hopefully, I'll have that. Hopefully, you've already read, read about it in the war room. If not, 
uh, check back on the, on the board this afternoon when I kind of firm that up. Yeah, so Tennessee to have a few guys in this weekend on the recruiting side of things, so we'll keep you up to date on that as well as Tennessee-Kentucky play Saturday afternoon, and we'll continue to follow plenty of football stuff for you as well. That's going to do it for the VolQuest.com podcast brought to you by Blue Water Climate Control.